welcome to another episode of Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. You're now going to hear from Kestrel, who knew she was trans from a really early age, but struggled for years to become the woman she knew she wanted to be. She actually outed herself by accident when her brother found her oestrogen prescription. And if you're wondering about the name, by the way, well, she's a big fan of Kez, the Ken Loach film, but was also inspired to choose her name after watching a film as a kid where all the old people were killed off by a strange virus and children ruled the world. And then they renamed themselves after their favourite animal. I love this idea. Anyway, now you know. Meet Kestrel. It's an interesting one for me because I've come out as many things at many mm. different times of my life, as as many of us have. I mm. am a, a woman-ish, sort of. I'm trans. I am not straight. I'm not gay. Um, so I guess if I were to tick a box, I would just say queer because I love that we've liberated that word. And I love that it can mean this kind of maelstrom of it doesn't have to necessarily be defined as as one thing. So I am a queer trans woman-ish. It's interesting because a lot of people, I think from a certain generation, cannot stand the word. And I've had people tell me off for using it on the radio when I was talking about our community because they just, it literally hurts them so much because they've been called it in the playgrounds and can you understand that feeling as well that logic oh completely and i was i was called queer at school as an insult and i mm. grew up and went to school during the the section 28 era and that informed a lot of how my coming out journey happened mm. and i was desperately terrified of being called queer or called a fag and i definitely don't still don't like the f word there but mm. And there's something about the idea that we as a community can take that word back and make it part of our own narrative and turn it into whatever we want that that to me feels really empowering and powerful. That said, I completely get, having gone through what I went through as a child, how difficult a word that is to come back to. And it, it took me a number of years to get comfortable saying it. It's a very personal thing, I think, isn't it? I also spoke to someone else who um, grew up in Northern Ireland who was called it at school and in the street and then eventually got old enough and wanted to reclaim it and made themselves a gold necklace which said queer on it and wore it and that was their way of reclaiming it. There's a, a great song by Dog Park Dissidents called uh, where the chorus goes, not gay is in happy, but queer is in fuck you. And I actually quite, <laughs> I really like that sentiment. I like that. So you mentioned growing up there, sort of wh- whereabouts was this and wh- what was your school experience like? Oh, I grew up in the deepest, darkest Midlands uh, in the UK. So I, w- I grew up in a really tiny town, kind of middle of the country, where you know in the the early 1900s there was a thriving boot and shoe community and obviously everything had gone off to foreign lands and and the town had spent many years getting quite dilapidated and and deprived so i grew up uh in this this sort of odd setting in the midlands where i was this quite flamboyant and colorful character set against this entirely white town this this very heteronormative cisgendered town um and an infant junior and secondary school all in a walking distance of each other so my world was so small Mm. and i'm guessing you mentioned clause 28 we're talking the 80s here when you're at school 
uh 90s early 90s, 90s so yeah. when i was at school we didn't really have the internet to be able to jump to for things but uh towards the end of my time at school uh you know people were starting to get computers and dial up and we could go onto forums and things and uh and obviously i'm sure a lot of people will say that that they discovered a whole world of community when they were able to get online for the first time, particularly if you're in a place where there's just no visibility of anything. I mean, I, I knew that I was transgender from an early age, but I didn't know the words to use. I lacked the language. Before we get to the actual coming out, let's talk about coming out to yourself and talk about that sort of process that you went through, that everybody goes through a big sort of self-discovery don't they and admitting it to themselves before they ever vocalize it to anyone else so what, what was that process like were you very young then when you realized you might be trans yeah reasonably i just felt feminine i hated wearing boy clothes to the point where i would uh take them off and i would rather run around naked and there are <laughs> many embarrassing stories of me as a child having taken all my clothes off drawn pretty patterns all over my body and then run out of the house or in one particular instance uh, at a charity barn dance had run into the changing room taken all my clothes off drawn all over myself and then run back out into the middle of the hokey cokey circle as they were putting their left leg in and there's this sort of naked four-year-old running into them so it was, I, I think I embarrassed my parents quite a lot growing up with that but rather than learning how to describe that I learned to hide that because it wasn't normal so accepting myself was always difficult and if anything accepting that I was attracted to other boys mm -hmm. when I was identifying as a boy at the time was easier for me than trying to come to terms with this strange weird gender confusion and wondering why I can't do all the things that the girls at school are doing and wondering why I can't uh, do all the things that I see women on tv do and stuff like that like why I have to do the boy stuff when I don't want to do the boy stuff. When I realized that I was attracted to boys, I, it was like, well, actually, maybe this is easier then. So it, it almost was easier to accept from that to myself than anything else. Is that because you saw lots of um, sort of gay role models on the TV or you read about them or they were around? And, and the, but there weren't really trans role models or people that you saw in the mainstream at the time. I don't remember any real gay role models at all i was quite naive as a child as well i was 21 before i realized that stephen fry was gay I'd, I'd come out of watching i think v for vendetta or something like that and uh, i said to a friend oh uh, stephen fry played a really convincing gay character and the friend turned around to me and was like what <laughs> so don't worry kestrel i had to um wait for george michael to get stopped by the uh, la police force before i realized he was gay so you know but I think so did George Michaels. <laughs> when I think about the first instance that I, that I saw something gay in mainstream media, there was this thing that Channel 4 did, because it's always Channel 4, called Gay Time TV. And uh, it was a set of documentaries about things like uh, gay monkeys in the animal kingdom and things like that. And I remember begging my parents to let me stay up and watch it, and they wouldn't. Let, they wouldn't let me uh maybe because i was like 11 or something but i just don't recall having gay role models when i was younger it was never part of the conversation and i think that does have a lot to do with the kind of world that section 28 
Clause 28 bread. And the fact that I was living in this small town, there were no gay people visibly out and about. There were no gay venues. I didn't know that anything like that could ever exist. And I was wandering around this town knowing that I liked boys, knowing that I didn't really feel like a boy, and not knowing what to do with any of that or where to put any of it. And you see, so you mentioned you were called names. Was did the bullying take any other sort of form at all? Or was it was it just people calling you names in the street or in the playground? No, it was it was you know a bit of physical bullying as well. Um, and I don't want to bring the tone down too much, but yeah, I mean, bullying was a real problem at my school for for many people. Basically, anyone that stood out as different. You know, I was always uh, teased and bullied for being the gay kid even though I wasn't really out at that point so that to the point where there where when I did actually come out at school people didn't believe me because they thought I was just saying that because that's what everyone used to call me but there were many times where the, the bullying took on a more physical form both before and after I came out it would make you, I guess, not want to come out at all, though, wouldn't it? I mean, it must have been quite a brave decision to do that if you were getting that level of bullying. Well, I wanted to come out so much sooner than I actually did. And I was very, very lucky to find a best friend who was also in the LGBTQ plus community. And mm. the two of us just sort of stuck it to the world together, which was mm. great. I think I must have been about 11 or 12. I just started secondary school there was this one girl at the school that seemed to not fit in like I did. And we ended up hanging out and lots of people used to joke that, you know, we were dating or would often tease her for being my friend, uh, which was always really amusing. But we ended up getting to know each other really well. Uh, We had a mutual love of the band Placebo. We really liked Green Day. We were, uh, we were those kids uh, in the, in the mid nineties. And, one day uh, she was at my house and we both just sort of said almost at the same time, it was quite cliche, you know, I've got something that I really want to tell you. And we were the first person that that came out to each other, which was lovely. So I, I in fact, she went first and said, I'm a, I'm a lesbian. And I said, and uh, you know that I'm gay, right? And we both just gave each other a hug and it was lovely. Oh. And we were friends throughout the whole of school. I think we'd both kind of had an inkling, but it was still very terrifying. We'd been hinting to each other there was something we wanted to tell each other for for ages. And just to kind of tease a reaction, because we were scared. We were so scared. The the reaction to anyone about anything LGBTQ+, at school, at home, everything was all negative or pushed under the carpet. And so to say the words out loud felt so monumental and this was before being able to just text someone it or email them it you know talking to them out loud either face to face or on the phone was the only option so it would have been 11 at that point i think she was just about 12 that's surprisingly young i think i think you know generally speaking people tend to be teenagers don't they there's very few people i think that know know that early being trans has also informed my experience because even though i didn't have the language and nor did my best friend then to talk about our gender feelings we had had to do so much self-exploration in our heads because of the way we felt about our gender that actually when it came to starting to have that physical attraction to people and realizing what that was actually that was quite a simple one to work out Mm -hmm. so 
when we then found each other at school and realized that we might have something in common, I think it was just more of a relief than anything else to be able to finally say to someone, thank God I'm not the only one. <laughs> I bet. So then did you try and encourage each other to come out to the people or to find support networks anywhere else? Or were you just sort of um, your little gang on your own? Well, for a while, we really were just our little gang on our own. I mean, we would spend loads of time together inside and outside of school. I was really the only person that I was ever interested in hanging out with for quite a while because everything else was so difficult to deal with. There were a couple of other people that we'd got to know maybe by about year 10. So at this point, we're sort of 14, 15. And there were a couple of other people in our year at school that we then decided to tell. They were nice, supportive, a bit naive, but, you know, largely kept it to themselves and was was fine. So then there was there was four of us and two of them were cis straight people. But they knew certainly that I was a gay man and that my best friend was a was a lesbian, uh, as that was how we were identifying at the time. But it really wasn't until until I finished school at the end of year 11 and, and started looking at, at going on to sixth form college and things after that, that I got more confident to tell other people. And I think part of that was because um, my parents had separated and my dad had got a computer and that computer could connect to the internet. And I had been able to go on this journey of self-exploration through forums and message boards. And I'd found a boy online that I really liked. And we had a heated online relationship for all of three minutes that was, uh, (laughs) you know, through live journal or whatever you could do back in the in the mid 90s. It was an eye opening experience for me. And I realized that actually... There were a lot of people out there and it wasn't something to be ashamed of. And I started being able to read more widely and and learn that there was this whole movement and there had been for years of people trying to get rights. But really, I was 16, 17 before I realized that that I even deserved rights, that, you know, the, the, that the fight and the struggle was something that was a global phenomenon. It's scary, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if they talked about all this sort of stuff in schools a lot more often? <laughs> I've heard an idea about that, but don't let yeah. the government who you're talking to loud. <laughs> well, no, they've promised it for years. They've not quite got around to it yet, but yeah. So 16, you, you're off to college then. You're, you're starting to come out to other people. Um, well, that... then I met a boy. Oh, actually, uh, in real life, as they say. As in real life, someone yeah. that was at the same sixth form as me. So yeah. I had decided I was going to come out to the people in my sort of tutor group because... I'd known them for a long time and the really terrible bully people had gone and they weren't staying on for sixth form. This was the days when post-16 education wasn't mandatory like it is now. So I felt more comfortable with this small select group of people that I'd known for a while. I think I told one person that I knew would then tell everyone else because that made life a lot easier. (laughs) Uh, Just tell the gossip. It's a good technique. Yeah, it worked really well. So I had come out and everyone was talking about it. And I got asked all of the regular, ridiculous teenage uh, meeting an LGBTQ plus person for the first time questions like uh, all of the boys that would say, well, uh, how do you how do you know? Like, did you have like one dream once? And then because I've had a dream and I'm really scared now. And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Or, oh, do you fancy me? I'm like, no, trust me, I really don't. And (laughs) things like that. But. Yeah, I mean, it was largely okay. There were a few people that gave me a wide berth, but my school was incredibly upset that I had come out. Because, uh, uh, you know, we're still we're still in Clause 28 here, and they didn't want to acknowledge it. So 
there were many times in which people were asking me questions about it and a teacher would walk into the classroom and go mad that homosexuality had been acknowledged in the air at some point uh so it was an incredibly stifling experience but then i met a boy who had come to my sixth form hadn't been at the school previously i hadn't known him until we met and he was not out Mm. but saw that i was and reached out and we got talking and we went on a on a date as cheesy as teenage dates are you know we went we went to the arcade love it and and that was very nice and we hit it off and we started dating and we stayed together for the the pretty much the two years of of sixth form and it was lovely and during that time he came out and there was a lot of a lot of people that were like oh so that's your mystery boyfriend to me and it was an interesting experience and suddenly i found myself being an out gay man having a lot of gender confusion going on in my brain still but i was like okay well maybe that's just normal obviously i'm out now and that's fine and just coming out isn't just a one-time thing you you have to come out constantly to all the people in your life Absolutely. i came out to my mum on my 17th birthday well i was building um, up to this yeah go on then tell us the yeah. story <laughs> and uh i'd i'd been dating this guy from sixth form uh for oh, know, about eight months at this point so uh he'd obviously been over to the house lots and things like that and so uh the morning of my 17th birthday i was sat in the dining room with my mom and we were chatting and i said uh so you know this guy she said yeah i'm like ah, uh, he's actually my boyfriend and she was like yeah i think i'd work that one out <laughs> so <laughs> that that was fine well you're probably confident that you'd react like that uh, yeah i didn't think she'd care to be honest mm. and i told my brother who made some joke about oh i've got loads of gay friends already whatever so it was fine um uh, but then i didn't tell my dad for like a year after that because i was terrified of what he would say even though my dad is the most supportive person for some reason it was harder to tell my dad and you didn't think your mum would tell him do they not uh, speak much oh no since i I think they've spoken for approximately 30 seconds since they separated okay so (laughs) but then he was absolutely fine and he was he was lovely about it and and very supportive uh, as he was when i eventually came out to him as trans much much later and i almost kind of felt well that's it now i've done the coming out i came out at a part-time job at safeway that that age is me i remember what safeway was as a supermarket tell kids today you worked at safeway they wouldn't have a clue (laughs) but yeah i I, like i told people that i worked with at safeway and that was interesting reactions some of the older people were a bit like oh that's weird some of the others were fine but you know it was the 90s people's reactions were mixed Was, was that important for you to be out at work as well then i think i'd got the bug once i first once i started coming out and i was in a relationship i just i got the bug and i wanted to be out to everyone i wanted to be out and proud because i had spent so long not being able to talk about it but that did kind of of bite me in the back a bit and it it sucks that it did because everyone should be free to be out and proud if they want to be but back at, at school i was in year 13 so my final year of sixth form and the sixth form was attached to the school there were still people from from the lower years in that school as well and I was stood in the line, and this is a very 90s thing, I was stood in the line to get a turkey burger at the school canteen because Lovely. I love a burger. 
and they were they were terrible but in a way where you really really want one <laughs> so we stood in line and i'd i'd got my uh my turkey burger in my hand and the line was moving forward and i accidentally bumped into uh, a very tall person from a couple of years below in the queue and it's like he turned around and was like what are you doing oh, oh i'm really sorry i just bumped into you like you know i thought the line was moving and it wasn't i wasn't paying attention it's like oh it's you do you fancy me or something I'm like oh. uh, uh no <laughs> and then he was like oh you do you fancy me and then much to my surprise punched me in the face <laughs> so what? what happened next was really telling of the of the time unfortunately is that people around me looked a bit surprised but nobody did anything i quite shocked got back into the line paid for my turkey burger and went to my tutor room where my uh, sixth form tutor was sat like marking something at lunch or anything by this point my nose was a bit bloody and uh, and i obviously didn't look great so she asked me what was up and i explained the situation and so she went off to get the deputy head because you know they like to do that when there's mm. been physical violence and things and when all was said and done the school did absolutely nothing uh because they'd spoken to me and they'd spoken to this other boy and the deputy head explained to me in in really lovely but quite patronizing tones that i had started it my being gay had made this young person feel uncomfortable and they were just defending themselves from that from me so they were they were going to take no action you'd hope things have moved on a bit since then wouldn't you well i mean it was a long time ago now so so i'm sure they have but it was a a memory that has shaped every coming out experience since then because that was the point that i stopped being out and proud that was the point in which i stopped wanting to tell everyone and that caused a real issue for me when later in life i started coming out to people as trans because i was terrified so when did you start to think actually i've done that i've come out as gay and i'm now scared but i now need to take another step and acknowledge all these thoughts about gender that i've been having really for for decades by the sound of it but you know you hadn't you hadn't really dealt with that had you uh it wasn't really until i got to my sort of early mid-20s that that started to be a thing so i'd gone off to university and was less sort of out and proud and actually i as so many people sometimes do in the community when they're struggling with their own identity i wasn't being particularly kind to myself um and i really judged anyone that was out and proud because i thought they were just going to get themselves and every other lgbtq person around them in trouble that experience with me had really turned me into a bit of a dick uh, so well you were I scarred was... by it weren't you you'd gone through a trauma and you were reacting to trauma is what uh, a kinder person would say kestrel well it took me a long time to really acknowledge that and mm. i and i told so few people about that thing that had happened at school because i was so ashamed of it i filed it away with the time that our sixth form our head of six came in and told me and my boyfriend to stop holding hands because it wasn't appropriate even though every straight couple in the common room was holding hands but there i was at university all of that bottled up and i was in my third year and someone that i had known for the first two years of my course came back after being away for a few weeks wearing a dress with a different name and said to me i'd like you to call me this and i was terrified because here was the personification of a lot of thoughts that i had had 
So I kind of said, oh, OK, and then didn't talk to her for about three months. And I still to this day feel awful. And I wish that I could find her on Facebook or something to apologise. You did talk to him eventually then, by the sounds of it. I did, but I don't think we really reconnected properly after that, because I think I just had too much baggage of my own to, to mm-hmm. sort through. I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I started reading and I started talking to people and I started looking things up online. So I'd kind of acknowledged to myself at that point, okay, I think I might be be this thing called trans. I don't really know. Uh, I need to sort of live a little bit. And I graduated from university. I got a job. Uh, I moved to the uh, the fantastic beautiful market town of reading and um, (laughs) i was still very much just in i am a cis gay man mode because it it made life easier i was in a new work environment and i needed to make friends and i needed to not rock the boat and uh, i i moved to a town where i knew nobody and i had to make new friends and i didn't want to rock the boat because i wanted to have people in my life and I ended up getting into a relationship with someone that kind of knew at the start we probably weren't right for each other, but we ended up being together for a really long time and neither of us were great for each other. You know, Mm. I like to think that I'm an all right human being, but you know, you're not, nobody's compatible with everyone. So, um, for sure. So I spent a long time walking through that and hating myself. And a turning point for me was sitting down with a friend of mine one day who just said, you don't look happy and you haven't looked happy for a really long time. And the only thing I could think to say was I hate myself because I did. I genuinely did. I hated everything about me in the life that I had sort of made for myself. And all I could do was see my own shame in that. And I didn't know how to move forwards, but saying those words out loud to that friend for the first time was a monumental moment for me because it was the first time they had those thoughts had ever escaped my head. And in saying them, I realised how true they were. And was this 100% because you were denying your true self, do you think? You were denying your, your true gender? Well, I think a large part of it was the gender identity, but also that I had never let myself feel any of the the trauma of growing up and having to hide who you are the the bullying at school and you know and i want to be really clear that that school bullying can absolutely be trauma and is absolutely trauma and that Mm. is valid and i i didn't acknowledge any of that i didn't ever want to be seen or see myself as the kind of person that would have gone through negative things but there i was sat there having just told my friend that and suddenly realizing that I couldn't, I couldn't take it back. I couldn't put it back in the bottle. And I, uh, I started counseling and I managed to work with a counselor to put words to some of these feelings and to start to think about, well, if I'm not this person, who am I, who do I want to be? And, and realizing that I can actually shape the person that I wanted to be and that the only the only person ultimately I have to answer to is myself, which was great. But then I suddenly realized, hi, okay, so I'm this transgender person. Here is a name that I want to go by. Here is an identity that I want to have. Now I have to tell every single person in my life 
because coming out of trans is just felt so different because you can't hide it as easily especially after you start taking hormones i mean you know a year after that happened i started growing tits it got really difficult to hide well i mean and also if even to get that treatment and to start you know going down that road to transition in terms of the physical sense of it you have to have proved that you've you know lived in that identity and been called a different name and not done all of that haven't you Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the hoops you have to jump through to get gender affirming treatment in the UK are, are, are multiple mm. and strenuous. And so I was faced with having to tell people. And the first person, well, the first people that I told were online. And there were, I've, I've got some wonderful friends that I met through, through the internet by setting up some accounts as me, as Kestrel. And just trying to make some trans friends because I wanted to hear about other people's experiences. And those wonderful human beings, yeah, they're people that I still talk to. Because I think I had chosen the name Kestrel back when I was a teenager as if I ever changed my name, this is what I would change it to. And so sat in counselling, I remember talking to my counsellor and we, we drew out this whole sort of mind map of how this transition could look and you know, what I might choose to, to do and who I might choose to be. And we talked a lot about names because there was there always this voice in the back of my head, like, choose a normal name, choose a normal name. And every time we talked about that, my counsellor would go, but you keep looking at the word Kestrel. I'm like, that's because, like, years ago, I promised myself I would do that. And and she helped me see that it was actually okay for me to to acknowledge my past self. So I, I chose Kestrel as a name and realised I could shorten it to Kez as well, as per the book into the film. And uh, that made life a bit easier for being able to introduce myself to people with a name that was a bit more uh, mainstream, so to speak. But I, I then had to tell people in real life. And the first person I told was my partner. And his reaction was from a place of not really understanding and we have talked at length since then and and you know i'm i'm friends with my my ex-partner now that we've been split up for a while uh, and we have talked about things post the event with hindsight and i was just this confused mess and he didn't know anything about trans issues or or anything so reactions weren't great things got very strained we ended up separating because we really weren't right for each other from the start Eventually, you know, I, I had to make a decision about whether I was going to really commit to this because I couldn't I couldn't do it by half. Well, but also that's a I tough place to be, isn't it? You were, you know, struggling with your identity and struggling to be the person you wanted to be. And you suddenly found yourself single. So there's quite a lot going on there in one time, isn't there, really? Well, and, and having to move out on my own. I've been, I've been living mm. with my partner for a while. Mm. And so... It was difficult. And, and for a while, I was living two lives, as so many trans people did. I was, I was Kestrel online. I was dead name in real life and dead name at work. And it started getting really hard to maintain the two. I was struggling with, with dysphoria. I was struggling with hearing my, my dead name. I was just torn between these two worlds. And every time i had to kind of slip into being my old self i could just hear that voice of me telling telling my friend how much i hated myself in my head and it was a really really unhappy place to be 
And I guess what you had to do to get out of it was come out to more and more people then and say, do not use that name. This is my name. Yes. And that was terrifying. Uh, you know, as much as I can talk now with that, that whole thing having been in the past, it, it was scary. And every single step of the way was scary because I did it in stages. I told my boss at work, who was very supportive, but the company kind of talked me out of transitioning publicly at work, which, you know, is technically illegal, but it happened anyway. So, you know, I, I did volunteering. So I came out with the volunteering I was doing. I uh, started coming out to friends, some of whom I lost, some of whom I didn't. Unfortunately, the friend that I first was able to tell that I hated myself uh, sat on that picnic bench after work was unfortunately one of the friends that decided not to stay in my life after I came out as trans, uh, which is a shame because he was so, he was so fundamental to me accepting myself, but couldn't cope with the idea that someone could transition. That's so sad, isn't it? So sad. But then I, I did tell more and more people and eventually I changed my name legally. And that was a huge step and started to live as full time as I possibly could started my medical transition and then I was wondering how to tell my family because those were the only people at that point that didn't know and the longer I left it the harder it got but I was so terrified of how they would react eventually I decided to write them a letter Uh, however (laughs) my hand was kind of forced a little bit unfortunately I had uh, gone to stay with my brother and my prescription slip for my estrogen had fallen out of my bag while I was there. And I got a phone call from my brother saying, first of all, what is this? Second of all, are you trying to scam the NHS out of medication by using a fake name? And I was like, well, <laughs> why is that the first place that you went to? No, yeah. that's that's not it. I've changed my name. And he was very, very not happy that I had legally changed my name and not told them. Mm. Uh that was the thing that was the issue. Not the, not the gender thing, the change of name thing. But my brother essentially said, you know, you, you need to, to tell mum and dad or, or I'm going to, basically. So decided that I would, I would write them a letter. I sent it on my birthday because I had first come out to my mum as gay uh, when I was 17 on my birthday. And now yeah. many, <clears throat> many years later, I was doing the same thing again on my birthday. So I didn't hear anything for a few days then i got a card in the post from my dad addressed to to me to kestrel addressed to my new name talking about uh, finding your own path in life and always loving me and always being proud and it was signed him and his girlfriend and his dog and it was it was it was touching and i cried and i phoned him and i cried and he told me to stop crying and then we both cried it was lovely it was a lovely touching moment so very accepting then yeah great that's exactly what you want to hear isn't it really Absolutely. It it took my mum and my brother a lot longer. Mm. Um, And there are still times where my pronouns are not respected. Uh, (laughs) That is quite often. There are still times where my dead name is used, but things are getting a bit better. My mum in particular is getting a lot better at the name thing. Neither my mum nor my brother use the correct pronouns for me and haven't once, I don't think. My dad, on the other hand, has continued to try and improve and even introduced me to someone as his daughter, uh, maybe just two or three months ago. And just the pride it made me feel was so, so amazing and so validating. 
Was that a shock to you about your dad then? A happy I, shock? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think what surprised me more was how difficult it's been to get acceptance from my brother or from my mum because they were so okay with me being gay. Mm. And my mum has repeatedly said, you know, she is very open-minded. She has no problem with the gender transition, but yet can't get the name or pronouns right and says, mm. you know, it's difficult. I've known you a long time, etc. And I, I, I want to be as understanding of that as possible. But it's still very difficult when mm. you get dead names and when your pronouns are used wrong. So let's just talk about pronouns again, because at the very beginning, you said I identify as a woman-ish. And I'm looking at the pronouns that you have to describe yourself on the screen here, and it says she, they. So tell us a bit about the they bit. Do you identify as being a bit uh, non-binary as well? Well, and, and here, is, here is the thing. I think our understanding of gender and gender norms is constantly changing. Mm. And throughout our lives, we come to understand ourselves in new and different ways with every year that passes. I am a woman. I know that that is medically where my transition is taking me. Mm -hmm. However, there's always a part of me that feels a little more fluid. And I feel like, much like I did with my name when I was uh, transitioning and, and really wanting to very firmly recognize that, that desire I had in me, that part of myself... Using she, her pronouns primarily, but also accepting they, them pronouns feels like acknowledging a part of me that wants to be acknowledged, but that's all it wants. It doesn't, you know, it's not causing me any other big sort of turmoil or anything, but being able to use either she or they pronouns, but primarily she, her mm. is, is a great way for me to be able to say, well, you know what? I, I am transitioning to a female place, but I am probably not the kind of trans woman who will go very stealthy and be sort of very stereotypical uh quote unquote female i ha have always been a bit fluid and will continue to be even if my sort of physical and medical transition is taking me in a, in a female direction but pronoun use and how people identify is so personal to them absolutely and you know can you respect the people that do want to be completely stealth and do want to just totally you know for want of a better word pass as being female or pass as being male can you understand that desire as well completely and i think that we spend too much time as a community judging each other's choices whereas actually nobody can see anyone else's life through their eyes so we have to accept and respect every individual person's life choices. And, you know, someone could identify using the same pronouns, the same words as me, but their experience of their own gender could feel completely different. We have to respect that uh, some people could be gender non-conforming, but not trans and not want to transition. We have to accept that uh, some people want to transition to a a very sort of typical view of an opposite quote unquote gender and, and kind of weave themselves into that fabric and not ever have to talk about their transition and non-binary people who are so valid and so wonderful in their non-binariness come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and different definitions and i think that's wonderful and ultimately 
we don't have to understand every human being to respect them, do we? Like understanding and respect are two different things. Do you think we're moving to a place where more um, people understand and respect different gender identities and that, that there is a gender spectrum? Or do you think things are getting worse? Things seem pretty bloody shit at the moment for trans people, if I'm, if I'm honest. And I think both of those things are true at the same time because, mm-hmm. yes, things are terrifying as a trans person right now with high court rulings and you, you only have to get, spend five minutes on Twitter as a trans person to oh. realise how hostile the world is mm. right now. Arguably our rights are less secure now than they have been in the last decade. However, all you have to do is go onto YouTube or TikTok and look at the teenagers now. And I think about, you know, the world that I'm experiencing right now comes from someone who was a teenager in the mid nineties, someone who, went through clause 28 someone who grew up in that world and you look at people who are that age now so many years later and they are being fluid as heck they are doing so many amazing things they are doing makeup tutorials dressing up like elves they are doing amazing (laughs) colorful things with their faces and that representation matters i mean i'm a nerd i watch star trek and um Ian Alexander, who is currently in the the current season of Star Trek, playing a queer character, is all over Instagram talking about dressing up as this thing, dressing up as that thing, is a trans actor, is so many amazing things and so visible. And I can't help but have hope when you see these amazing people coming through. And and I think I'm always going to see the world through the lens of how I grew up. But then so are these young people. And, and so right now, things are shitty. But I have to think that in 40 years, when these young people are of the age where they're going to be prime minister and you know president of the United States, things are going to be awesome. And I'm going to be sat in a retirement <laughs> home rocking away to this stuff. <laughs> I hope so. Do you know what? I feel exactly the same. I feel like I've got so much more to learn from young people than at any other point in history. I think they really are pushing the boundaries, you know, in terms of particularly the gender discussion and gender expression i think it's fantastic and i i feel hopeful as well i think we're going for a blip at the moment for sure but you're right as soon as these teenagers with their, all their different definitions and different ways of identifying that i have to struggle to keep up with sometimes i think they're going places i think we could be looking at a brilliant future well and i look at everything going on in the world and how much it affects me negatively particularly the trans rhetoric it impacts these young people, but they are fists in the air, punching through it with amazingness. <laughs> and I wish I was that strong. And you know what? I have trust and faith in that generation of people to be amazing. And we have to do to be swept along on that wave is give them respect and give them time. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I won't ask you what your advice would be to a teenager today struggling to come out because they probably know more than us, to be honest, Kestrel. But uh, what would your advice be to if you could go back in time and visit a little Kestrel? Stop keeping it all inside and realise that you don't have to fit yourself into the shape that other people want you to be. Because nobody told me you can't be this in those words, but the world did. And nobody would ever say to me, it's okay. Don't listen to that. Be yourself. And I think, you know, young people today have that. They have that baked into their DNA. And I didn't. And if I could go back in time and tell younger me anything, it would be, fuck it, just 
be you be the person that you feel inside it doesn't matter if you don't have words for it live it on the outside and don't be afraid of what people are going to do because you know life's going to be weird you know you're going to grow up have loads of different identities do loads of different jobs you'll finally be happy but you'll be shut in your house because someone with a mop for a haircut says we have to go into a lockdown like the whole (laughs) the whole universe is gonna look strange fuck it just be yourself (laughs) because i was so scared to be me for so much of my life i feel like i'm making up for lost time now and if i could go back in time i'd give myself more years of being able to be myself because i'm guessing you're happier now than you've ever been oh yeah orders of magnitude like (laughs) you know life is is difficult for so many people right now and i don't ever want to minimize those struggles But if I ever feel shitty about lockdown and about trans issues right now, I only have to remind myself how I felt before I let myself be me. And did you find love again, Kestrel? Oh, I love myself now. And that's uh, that's what's Good. important. I am <laughs> still painfully single. But you know what? Uh 2021's going to be my year. <laughs> Yay! If I can't find love during a lockdown, when can I? the beautifully named and beautiful human being Kestrel I feel like I could have talked to her all day actually a big thank you to the lovely Kestrel thank you so much for listening if you do like the podcast and hopefully you do give us a rating like us share tell your friends and even your enemies in fact definitely your homophobic and transphobic enemies Next week, I am super excited uh, because it's a coming out stories first. Now, I feel slightly ashamed and embarrassed about this and I feel like we should have done this eons ago. But we are finally speaking to our first guest who identifies as asexual. I'll be honest, it's not something I know very much about. So I was thrilled to chat with Rianne. She gave me a real education on the subject of asexuality. And she did admit that she also struggled to understand it at first herself. I was distressed about the fact that I was asexual for a very long time because I didn't really understand what it meant and I didn't have a community to belong to and I thought that it, I still thought that it meant there was something wrong with me.